When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into episode 302 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. Today, we break down the end of Kentucky's non-conference schedule with a win over Illinois State. But before we get started, a quick message from our friends at Justice Dental. Sources Say is presented by the great team at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling or texting 859-543-0700. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team. Look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm good, Jack. It feels weird because we've had more time off on the show than I think we've ever had. But the holiday was in there and then not playing a game until, what, two days ago? But... I saw their people tagging us yesterday, and hey, it's been way too long. It's it's time to get an episode out. It feels good to be back, turning the page to a new year here pretty soon, and excited to see what happens in the back half of the schedule. Before we get into the win, uh, I, I do want to – so let, let's preface. Let's start by saying – you, you suffered a loss. It was a tough one. I, I will be the first to miss. You, you, you admit you, you suffered a tough one, but – I will say your game planning of trying to shut down Travis Perry was immaculate. That, what, it, what an unbelievable effort there uh, against Lyon County. That was part of the, the holiday season was uh, you, you, Frederick Douglass participating in uh, a heck of an event over at Lexington Catholic. So um, just props. I, I know that the, the final result wasn't what you guys wanted, but for, for anybody that watches this show and listens to this show and like try, you know, basketball bennies us, maybe for me, that's fair. But like, bro, the, my co-host had to come up with the game plan to shut down the state's all time leading scorer. And he finished eight for 25 shooting overall, still a absolutely tremendous talent, but all things considered, I was very proud of uh, the Frederick Douglass uh, fighting Broncos effort there uh, against Lyon County. Uh, that that was an entire staff game plan that had to be put together really, really quickly, considering that we played the night before at 9 o'clock and then had to stay up all night gathering film. That was a – if it looks like I'm tired, it's still because I'm, I'm trying to recover from that because it was uh, – <laughs> that was a lot. And, man, he he didn't have an efficient night. It was the one night of the tournament that he wasn't wasn't efficient. Probably one of the few nights this season that he wasn't efficient. 8 of 25, I think he was seven points from the free throw line. He was below his average on the season and well, well below his average what he was scoring in the tournament. But we made it difficult for him because we put some some long athletic people on him. And I thought some of our kids did an excellent job. We got in some foul trouble, too. But he's one of those guys that they have other pieces around him, too. And if you lose him for a second, you're done. And you, if you watch the game, if you were there, you see us on the bench 
react like seven or eight times, but we know we got away with about five or six that he just was off on. But we still made it difficult. He went on like a Steph Curry type stretch though there to end the third quarter. That that's where the game got away from us. And if we could do it all over again, plus we gave up twenty offensive rebounds and twenty eight second chance points. Mm, that's tough. That's uh, that's unlike us too. And he went on a stretch there though where he hit a three, and they just put so much pressure on you in transition. And then he hit a three from the corner at the horn in the third quarter. And I was like, man, that was that was his moment right there. But it was tough. We got a city of Lexington to CATS cats, cats, cats chance in the, in the stands uh, playing the UK fight song. Like it, it was a road game 100%, but no, a great player. He made a couple of shots, Jack, that as a coach, and I've been doing this a long time and I've coached against some really good players, but, but that game was one of those things where we were applauding defense, even when he made shots because he just hits tough shots. Like he got to his spots and he made tough shots. His IQ, his passing, everything. He's he's going to be a great player. He's going to make it at Kentucky for sure. Like that's that's my takeaway. Seeing him up close for the first time, having to actually game plan, screaming out sets that they're running. They run a hammer screen where they post it, and the big will turn baseline like he's making a post move. And they've been doing this for years, and they still get into it because they blend it in with some of their other stuff so well. And then he'll just slip to the corner. And I, there was somebody, it was a media guy talking to me. He's like, it's just crazy how they know they're going to be there. And I was like, well, that's not just a thing. They don't just like know that somebody's going to be there. He just, that's a scripted play, but the execution that they execute it with. And it's just a pass up the, down the baseline to him in the corner off a hammer screen. And that's got a lot of teams went back and watched. Uh, we went back and watched some tape from the sweet 16 last year and they ran it. They ran it the night that before that we played them. They did not score on that play against us. I will say that because we made it a point and shoot around and scouting report said, if they score on you on this play, the one play we're literally telling you about that they love to run, you're probably not going back in the game. So <laughs> our guys listened to that one. But, no, he's, he's a talented player. It, before we move on to the game, I we kind of had this moment last year watching Reed Shepard where we watched him so often – the the questions of would he be able to make it at Kentucky, you know, we kind of felt that he would, but you never know until you know. You having to, you know, be a part of a game plan to guard the state's all-time leading scorer who is signed on to play Kentucky next year, how confident are you now after the fact playing against him that he is going to make it in a similar way to Reed Shepard, what we're seeing right now at Kentucky? Well, because when you when you have an entire game plan centered around a player and they can still get what they get, even though it wasn't efficient, he still played within himself. I thought he made great plays. When you put him with players at Kentucky of the caliber that are coming in with him and they'll be playing with him, he becomes an even better basketball player, even though he's not going to be a 30-point-per-game scorer in college. It's the same thing with Reed Shepard. You, you get to see Reed Shepard's complete game. At Kentucky, you get to see Rob Dillingham's complete game at Kentucky. When you put those guys in a situation like that, especially a guy like Travis who scores the ball at such an impressive clip, is he going to be the same scorer at UK? Absolutely not. There, there's there's just no way because of the people that he plays with, and it's just a different level of basketball. But he does so many things well that it's going to translate over that's going to make him successful. Like I expect Travis to, to be a, an even better three-point shooter in college. 
efficiency-wise. Not taking as many attempts, but you could see that number climb. Look at Reed Shepard's three-point percentage. That's not what it was at North Laurel. But he's taking good shots. He's not having to be the only one taking those shots. And when he gets his feet set, playing off some of these other guys, it's, it's tough. And then Travis has a knack to get what he wants to get, when he wants to get it, and where he wants to get it. And he understands it. He's, all, he's not the most athletic player. He's not going to play above the rim with you. But between here, he's going to know where he wants to get, and his footwork is, is unreal. Like That's probably my biggest compliment to him is his footwork. Mm. is watching him get in there and get and get to his spots. But, no, great player, uh, even better kid, honestly. And uh, I hope I see him again here in a couple of months. I'd, I'd love to play him again. That That's a fun team to coach against. That's a fun team to play against, even though they put so much pressure on you. You want to coach in games like that. That's why I went where I went. That's where I'm at where I'm at, is I wanted to coach in games like that. And that was fun. Yeah, yeah, it, it- very fun. I, I'm glad that you got to be a part of something like that and c- continue to move up the coaching ladder. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. So uh, before that that happens, uh, we, we got a game to talk about. 96-70 victory for the Kentucky Wildcats over the Illinois State Redbirds where Antonio Reeves, again, man, uh, back-to-back games, something about Antonio just hating red birds. First it was 30, a 30 ball against the Louisville Cardinals. And then he goes up against his former team goes for 27 on yet another efficient night, 10 of 15 overall, four of eight from three, six rebounds, two assists, 34 minutes. I mean, Antonio Reeves is playing the best basketball we have seen him all around since he arrived in Lexington. Uh, his former coach, I guess it was his former coach, Sean for like, 12 minutes uh, at Illinois State because he was on his way out as the the new Illinois State coach was coming in uh, hitting the portal two off seasons ago said I'm you know he said after the game I knew he was leaving when uh, I got there I knew that it would be a long shot I tried to have a couple conversations with you but with him but when you have a 20 point per game score and the transfer portal era era uh, those kids don't stick around at Illinois State so uh, he said that you know it, it, he was proud of him watching where he came from and you know knowing who he was as a basketball player at Illinois State uh, versus what he is now at Kentucky it's night and day difference and I mean I think we are seeing with our own two eyes the difference between Antonio year one and Antonio year two because he's defending hard he's rebounding well he's attacking he's doing you know he's not just the catch and shoot jump shooter that he was last last season he is a well-rounded player and uh, Kentucky is better off for it he he is playing his best best basketball of his life he is and you know we we talked about it after the North Carolina game about where he is when it comes to best players on this roster most talented players on this roster and I said that it can he doesn't need to be the first or second best player and when it comes down to pure talent and things, like he's not. Like, you know, there, there's there's better, more talented NBA prospects and things here. But he's a guy, Jack, that this is why back in the summer, I know I've said this a ton, we, we talked about roles and we talked about why it made so much sense for him to be back here. It's because of the pieces he was playing around. Life was going to be easier on Antonio Reeves this time around. The weight of the world wasn't going to have to be put on his shoulders to win Kentucky basketball games when it matters. Against Kansas, it was because they weren't ready yet. He took a lot of shots. He felt like he had to go be what he was last year. Since that point, though, like he's not forced anything. 
And then you get efficient games like Louisville and this one back-to-back. The efficiency, he was 10 of 15, 4 of 8 from 3, 3 of 3 at the line, had 27 points. He attempted 15 shots and had 27 points. That's the second consecutive game where he had an efficient 27 and 30. Like, that's the thing that stands out to me the most about it, is he's not having to take 20-plus shots to get these to get it, to get get these lines. There's going to be some games still in league play where he's going to finish 11, 12, 13. There's going to be a couple. But you're going to have a DJ or a Reed or a Rob that's going to be the guy sitting at 20-plus. Like, that's the balance of the backcourt that's making it be what it is. But this was also my prediction that he would lead the league in scoring. And I mean, he's right there, Jack. I don't know where where he was. He was fourth going into the Louisville game, I believe. You have the updated. Have you seen where he's at in the updated stats? The the one that yeah. You, while you do that, well, the one that I know is of the John Calipari era. He is third highest in scoring ever under at Kentucky under John Calipari. Jamal Murray at twenty points per game. Malik Monk at nineteen point eight points per game, I believe, and then. Uh, Antonio is right there at 19. So uh, those two guys are still playing in the NBA and doing a really, really bang up job in the league. Uh, You're starting to see the vision with Antonio and his future in the league. Like that was kind of the debate of, okay, he's old, you know, this fifth, fifth year senior. What is his bag beyond catch and shoot? jumpers like what what can he be beyond that and that was the question talking to NBA scouts this past offseason what can he you know what is he beyond just an empty score like he he, kind of a an empty calorie score leading up to this point where you're he's giving up just as much on the other end as he's producing on the offensive end can he be more than that in this season we're starting to kind of piece things together and it's not coach speak when Cal says at the podium this you know he's playing the best basketball of his of his life and and he's guarding the other team's best player that might be a little hyperbole because I don't think that's necessarily sustainable maybe against Illinois State it is but I I, I would still prefer to have DJ or Justin or Adu or whomever guarding the other team's best player but it's progress we're, we're at least talking about defensive upside with Antonio Reeves where that was just nonsense just a year ago so uh, is there an NBA future with Antonio Reeves because I'm at least starting to see the vision there there is there there absolutely is and you know Michael Mulder was didn't play a ton good yeah good comparison and and played and and found a found a position in the league there for a while found a spot successful G League guy that eventually got a got a chance in the league so there is playing at Kentucky you kind of get a bump anyhow because it just prepares you for what you see in that league and if you make shots in today's game and then you can become a capable defender on the other end, then you've got a shot. So I think he does. I think he has a chance, and he's actually second in the league right now. Uh, Sears is actually averaging – so Mark Sears is averaging 19.3. Antonio's averaging 19 even. So it's the, right He'll there. be in the conversation, yeah. He he will be. And, I mean, he when it comes to scoring, and, and Kentucky has done that in the non-conference schedule, when you get into the league, it's going to be it's going to be tough – to average 19 a game across league play because those teams know you so well. They scout you inside and out. They've already been gathering tape on you probably. you got dudes sitting somewhere watching film, and they've watched seven games of Antonio Reeves trying to break down things. But to do that in Kentucky's non-conference schedule with all the other guys that we've talked about, and Rob Dillingham, Reed Shepard, and and DJ Wagner getting the freshman accolades that they're getting, to still be scoring the ball at an even more and more impressive clip than he did his last season. 
Like he is a better basketball player, and it's not just because he's scoring the ball better. He's just a better complete player than he was a year ago. He's an entirely different guy. And I love the role that he settled into. And I love that he's back here. I, I love that this thing didn't end the way that it looked like it was going to for a while. And it's worked out for him. And that, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I, like you said earlier, 27 a night isn't sustainable. And that's not what we're going to see. He's going to have some dips. But just, again, when you have six guys averaging double figures, which we haven't seen ever at, under John Calipari, except for the 2011, 12 year. Yeah. And it fits. You, you start seeing the, you start seeing the vision there. And, and I, I appreciated Corey uh, Price's stat as well, that this team as a whole, another 96 point night. Uh, this is the first team since 1995, 96 to hit the 81 point mark in 11 of the team's first 12 games. It's, it's, what was, what was impressive about that team? They scored the hell out of the basketball, and they were ridiculously – they were almost impossible to stop. And they ended up not being able to be stopped down the stretch because they won the national championship. The, the offensive stuff that this team does too, though, like they they find ways – so when, when you're scouting teams, there are things that keep coaches up at night. And there's usually one or two things that you're just like, if we don't key in on this area, you could probably get – beat by 20 plus Kentucky does a lot of things. So I, I'm willing to bet that when you're actually sitting there and you're whoever's putting the scout together for Kentucky, there's bullet points and they're probably sitting there with bullet points and erasing and rewriting and erasing and rewriting. Cause they don't know how to order them. And what's probably the most important thing to do uh, just on the offensive end. There's one thing that Reed Shepard is the best at in college basketball, advancing the ball in transition. I'm telling you, watch him play. Go back and watch highlights from this game and see how many times he advanced the ball that just put instant pressure on Illinois State. I mean, I'm talking it's a pass up the street. If, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but up, up the street pass or down the street pass is up your side that you're on. And across the street is a skip pass and transition across the other side of the floor. That's, that's how a lot of coaches will label it. He's the best in the game at doing it. He is looking eyes are up at all times. And it's an advance down the floor that instantly puts the ball in a scoring opportunity where Antonio Reeves will catch it, whether it's Justin Edwards, it's Rob Dillingham, whoever it is, it's instantly in the hands of somebody that can make a play. And then they're having to guard off of it. And then it's back to Reed. Then the ball's moving again. Like those things right there, it's pushing the pace, but it's not with the bounce. And it's quicker to get the ball down the floor passing it. I promise. It, and I like how even with a guy like Reed, where when he messes up, you think like the opposing team goes, ah, gotcha. Like he, they get excited for that moment and then not realize two, three steps away, you're going to get ripped and then you're going to get your shot blocked on the perimeter. Like that one stretch, there was a 20-second stretch where it was a bad turnover, it, it, admittedly terrible turnover. He immediately follows it up with a block at the three-point line. They get the, the they get the rebound, and he rips it down at the basket. Get gets it and goes, and he, as you eloquently put, threw it across the street down and hit Antonio Reeves in the corner. I mean, fit yep. it into a window that I mean, this microphone can't fit into the window. I mean, it it, it was just I I was on press row watching that, and going, how what the hell just happened? How did that? 
how does he do that? What he is able to do that sequence of, you know, there's so many guys that once they, they have a bad, bad moment, they let it, they let one turn into two, three, four, five. He is one of those guys that he has one bad moment in, doesn't allow himself to have another bad one because he turns it into three, four, five, six straight incredible moments. That 20-second sequence is Reed Shepard in a nutshell. In the slight chance he makes a bad play, he's going to follow it up with a ridiculous tip ball on the perimeter, swipe you at the at the basket, turn it the other way for a, a beautiful cross-court uh, assist to Antonio Reeves where he is in position. And it, it reminded when you were talking about uh, that whoever talked asked you about Travis Perry, how he's always in the right place, and it it, it doesn't make any sense how the it's like yeah because that's what they do like this is this is what Reed Shepard does Antonio Reeves being at the right place at the right time is what he's supposed to do. This team has harmony. Everything they do is in unison, and that is it's it it is like watching a painting, watching a a, a a musical performance because it it does it just does feel like it has that that type of chemistry and camaraderie and, and harmony. A lot of it is discipline too. Like they're disciplined in who they are and what they are offensively. Guys are in spots. They they know where they're supposed to be and it's not a it's not a set spot for a set player. It's just spacing. It's their spacing in transition. It's their spacing in their half court offense. Like there, there were a couple times that game where they they go dribble drive, just pitching and playing, pitch it, drive it, pitch it, drive it, and and you get something. And then when they slow things down, and then they get into some of those Princeton looks and things that they do with Trey Mitchell there in the middle third of the floor, like they're just so hard to guard, like across the board. It doesn't matter who's on the floor; they're just so hard to guard. And when you got Rob doing his thing and you got DJ making shots, like it's just, it's really, it's really fun to watch. And the craziest thing is, is we played some teams this year and some other teams that I've scouted and they, so for years, if you heard the play Kentucky, it was dribble drive. It was literally just four in a dunker spot. So a couple of games I'm scouting this year or watching teams, I'll hear Kentucky and in the past, I'm like, all right, I'm this okay, this is triple drive. No, nah, it's actually some of the things that Kentucky's doing. It's just one like quick huh. set to get into something. And it's like a it's a Princeton look or it's a five out look that'll go into something, then it'll go into Zoom. And some of these coaches are labeling it by watching what Kentucky does and then just they're they're not running the full version of it. It's just uh this is a one thing that we're gonna do here and we're gonna put a set in that's scripted to do this. So I thought that that was pretty cool that that I'm catching that and seeing it. And as someone that studies what Kentucky's done inside and out, I'm like, yeah, I recognize that instantly, but it's cool to see that probably a year ago, there weren't going to be any coaches kind of trying to do what Kentucky did offensively. And here we are, there's plays being put in and installed. That's Kentucky. And it's just a quick look into just to what some of the things Kentucky's doing. So yeah, like it's this team is going. I know the Ken Palm numbers and what they are right now. The defense has to climb, yes, and it has to. There is no way around it. But they're just built to overcome some things because of the efficiencies. And when you're talking about the offensive rebounding that we'll get into and the, and the rebounding numbers, they still won this game by 26. Like, what? They, st- they still scored 96. And the other in Illinois State attempted how many shots? 79 shot. That was the, the next point that I brought up. They got 24 offensive rebounds. That was that we, we got to talk about that. Um, but 
79 shot attempts, 35 of them from three. And Kentucky still held them to 32.9% and 22.9% from three. Like, the defense is getting better. Like, I, I, I think that's something we also need to kind of talk about is they're, they might be a little bit underrated defensively now where – that the the talk had been leading up to this point that they had just been so terrible on that end that they were going to have to win games 90 to 85 but like this was kind of the vision that we talked about we didn't need them to be otherworldly on the defensive end they, they don't need to shut teams down to you know Carl Anthony Towns Willie Colley Stein 40 point per game numbers like that team was winning 60 to 40. This team can win 96 to 70. And it's still the same level of dominance because the ceiling when there are when there's that much scoring and that the pace is what it is, there's going to be more shot attempts. And obviously it sucks that the 24 offensive rebounds that also led to, you know, 79 total shots, but it, it, the, this, the 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 floor is raised when there's so much there's that the pace is what it is and and our shot attempts are what they are. So I, I think the they're starting to trend the right direction with defense is the point I'm making, where I don't think they need to finish as a top five defensive team in, in the nation because this truly is the best of the best offense, probably you know up there with the best that we've seen under John Calipari. If they can be even average defensively, and I think they are right now, I think this team can win a national championship and not even think twice about it. I, I feel really, really good. They're trending exactly the way we need them to, especially going into conference play. Well, that's the thing. Like when when you're talking and you're looking back to what went wrong for Kentucky in, in the NCAA tournament, I always thought it was because they would have stretches where they just couldn't score the basketball. Especially against Kansas State a year ago. Like if if this team had been in that game, been able to score the basketball at the clip that they that they do then you're not having those those droughts. Like the biggest thing was what Kentucky would go on stretches where they'd have a four or five minute drought where they just could not make a shot. That's hard to do with this team because there's just so many guys that can do it and they can get it in transition too. And it's the way that they run. It's the way that they pass. It's their ball movement. But you talked about their defense. I mean, what, nine block shots the other night, you know, seven steals. Like you're, you're creating some opportunities there. Yeah, it was weird to see the rebounding numbers be what they were. But this is also a team that out-rebounded North Carolina just a few weeks ago. So, like, I don't have any concerns there because I think that that's something – look, like I said, we gave up offensive rebounds the other night. I'm not worried about us because we're going to go straight to practice because I know if we make it a point and a priority, it's going to get fixed. You think John Calipari is not making that a point and priority going into league play starting this week? He was putting – blocking off rims earlier in the year because of how pissed off he was about rebounding. So yeah. to follow that up, you know, they responded by out rebounding one of the best rebounding teams in college basketball, uh, you know, in, in UNC, then they reverted. And that was, I, you know, Cal always has a message when he, he takes the podium every single time you could ask him about, literally anything you could ask him about his thoughts on DJ Wagner and he will bring up whatever he, whatever he he wants wants to to bring up. And one of the main talking points after the game, the first thing that came out of his mouth, 24 offensive rebounds, unacceptable. I think he said the word 24, like six times in his press conference because 
That's a big no-go. And he brought up Jordan Burks being a, a very nice positive off the bench. Brought up uh, shot numbers, that Noah shooting system that we talked about during the offseason when John Welch came in kind of utilizing the technology that just hadn't been used that much that Kentucky has had for a couple of years and they just hadn't used it as much. Um, brought that up, said uh, Justin Edwards had taken 3,400 shots over break and hit 70% of them. Antonio Reeves took 1,400, I believe, the day before the game and 14, 400 of them coming after dinner. And Cal said, this, this stuff is not like there's, this isn't a science. Like the, none of this is by accident. This, this is what it is. So of those many talking points that he had after the game, the main one was 24 rebounds and saying offensive rebounds and saying, it just is not good enough. We reverted. And if it doesn't get better, Aaron Bradshaw and Ugan Onyenso will sit on the bench and we will go back to what we were to start the season which is a very nice like Joby Hall kind of mentality of our be- you know our bench can be the biggest weapon we have because you we got Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham dying to get in on the floor and we know they're going to produce a Thero is going to produce we know you know you go to go down that bench and we got hoopers who can make an impact on this team it it it's a nice luxury to have to 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 be able to say things like that and not need your seven footers to be seven footers. We can, you know, if they're not playing the way they need to, then we'll figure it out with the other guys because we were to start the season. Well, the the bench can be motivation, and when you have it as a way that you can sit people and go somewhere else, it makes you better because of the competition within. Like you have no choice but to figure out what's going on, or you don't play. And that's the beauty of this. But when you, you're talking the rebounding numbers, they had 24 offensive rebounds. Well, how about this stat? Second chance points was 15 to 14. Kentucky scored 96 points. If you take away some of those offensive rebounds, Kentucky probably scores 110, 115. Because that's more opportunities for Kentucky going the other way. But the second chance points were even. Even though you had an advantage on the offensive glass and the glass overall, 15 to 14, that's the number that I go look to. It's like what I said with us the other night. We gave up 28, or we gave, we gave up 20 offensive rebounds, but we gave up 28 second-chance points. And we had like seven or eight. So you, you lose a significant chunk of the game in one category there. So even though you look at the numbers, that's why I'm not too concerned with it is because it didn't – we're talking 24 offensive rebounds in college basketball. There's some teams that will punish you for 30-plus off that. Like some of those are put-back dunks at the rim. By some people. So I'm not too concerned when I actually dive deeper into it because I do think Kentucky will get it figured out. Also, 23 assists, six turnovers. That's that is so stupid. You know, like <laughs> I, I I'm I'm struggling to come up with adjectives with this team lately because they are like just the everything they do just kind of blows my mind in different ways. Like trying to describe how Reed Shepard plays. It's like, you know, Rob Dillingham. I, I what adjective can you use to describe the way Rob is playing right now? I, 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 I can't. Stupid is probably the closest I could come up with because <laughs> everything they do is just like, yeah, that's dumb. That that just that, that, that's unfathomable. This team should not be shooting. Like, do you understand that this team is shooting like almost 50, 40, 80 splits? Yeah. while averaging 91 points a game yeah. with six guys averaging in double figures and they're not turning the ball over and they're averaging 21 assists a game. Like the, that, 
that is those are all time numbers, Sean. And, and the, the sample size isn't just nothing. Like we're this isn't four games into the year where we're going, oh wow, we're beating up on Poop State. Let's hope we can sustain this. No, we're almost halfway through the regular season. I mean, this this season is cruising and the numbers are not changing. Yes, conference play starts Saturday. We'll see what changes there. We'll you know, we'll it's going to be a real test another quad one and it's time to start building a resume as we we've talked about and this is your time your time to shine, Sean, but <laughs> but the the sample size is pretty clear here that this team is on pace to put up historic historic numbers and finish with historic numbers. Again, this is this team has done something that only the 96 championship team has done. And that was that that team was seen as one of the most entertaining all-around teams in college basketball history. So what are we witnessing right now? That's what's so fun. Uh, Rob Dillingham, I asked him after the game about just what is this team's offensive upside if there is better? What what does that look like? And he was like, dude, I'm going to be totally honest. I think the only way you beat this team is by us beating ourselves. He was like, I, I don't know how somebody, as you said, I don't know how somebody could put together a game plan to shut me down. And then shut DJ down, and then shut Antonio down, and then shut you know, just read down. Like go down the list. There's so many freaking options on this team that can hurt you. And you know we haven't even talked about Trey Mitchell. He was sensational. He even had 11 rebounds in that game. That, that was one of his better performances in a minute. Uh, I mean, Justin Edwards is kind of putting things together. He had nine and four and was efficient and hit a three and you know doing doing some of the little things. I do not know how you beat this team except for them beating themselves, as Rob Dillingham eloquently put. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, it's it's hard. Like, this is a team that, to me, one of the, the few in college basketball that when you look at it, it, you can take something away, but they just get so much elsewhere, especially offensively. And, you know, we were talking overall numbers and why that one stat didn't concern me. When you're looking at, so points from category of the box score, Illinois State from turnovers, they got four points. Kentucky got 15. Paint, 36 to 44. Second chance, they did win 15 to 14. Fast break points, 6 to 27. Bench points, 5 to 36. That's a lot of categories that you're losing and Kentucky's winning within the game. And then there's other things when you dive into analytics and points per possession and stuff like that. And Kentucky's just showing up across the box score in a lot of areas and winning the game in a lot of different ways. And that's just every box score. That's North Carolina. That's, that's Louisville. That's Illinois state. That's Miami, but you're, you're talking resume and stuff. And we're getting into that point in the season now where we're going to have to make a big deal about it on each episode because it's important. Like you start collecting quad ones. There's eight quad one games remaining on the schedule that I think are probably mostly going to stay within that. There's a couple that I'm watching to see if they creep up there. Mississippi State's 33 in the net right now. That maybe that game at Rupp here coming up early uh, could be a quad one game. That one's on January 17th, or at some point it does. There are some games that aren't going to get there. Like Gonzaga's at 56 in the net right now. That was 33 just a couple weeks ago when we started talking resume. Like that game at Rupp's probably not going to be a quad one because I don't think Gonzaga's going to have the opportunities to kind of climb in the net. Even though they're going to win games in their conference jacket, it's not going to reflect and show up a ton. That's a Gonzaga program that used to win a lot in the non-conference that would boost their resume. Well, they've lost some of those games. 
this year, and that's hurt them. So that's that's a team probably coming into Rupp here in a month that's looking to get itself a big win. It, it's actually flipped. That's going to be the big win opportunity for Gonzaga when it comes to on-paper NCAA tournament, where Kentucky it's probably going to end up being a quad two. That's okay. And I think I saw they only have three quad one opportunities left on the year, which so is they are, insane. And they have no quad one wins. They're 0-4 right now. It, so and I, do, a, was I right? They only have three left on the year. So, yeah, yes. what? And Ken, it, Kentucky, San Francisco, one, San Francisco, and St. Mary's. That's all they got. Yeah. So, like, that's wow. what I'm saying. Like, that's a team that's going to come into Rupp here, and this is good though. This is good for Kentucky. This is a team that's going to walk into Rupp, and I know we're getting a month ahead, but I just like talking about these scenarios to kind of put them out there. So then, when we start to get close to that game, everybody's like, "Man, we've been talking about this for weeks." Mm-hmm. on here we've brought this up that's going to be a team coming into rup that depending on what they do in their conference check i mean they've like i said they've lost some games here they're all their losses are in quad one you got to have a resume especially if you don't get many opportunities in your conference you got to win your conference or something like that's not going to be an impressive looking resume they're going to try to get that first quad one win at rep arena to put themselves safely in or at least build a resume like that's a that's going to be a hungry team Kentucky's going to face and Kentucky's going to face a lot of teams like that in the league a lot of teams that are looking to get wins and Kentucky is is a marquee win this season in the past and last year it was oh we beat Kentucky it's Kentucky but when you add that it's a quad one and then you add that it's a team that's one of the the favorites prior to win national championship you're going to have some unreal road environments where the building's going to be juiced up even more than it was last year so a lot of challenges coming for Kentucky. The first one is in Gainesville that they've already sold out that game. That's going to be a big one. It, and on that note, and this is a nice little segue here, but um, the environment at Rupp Arena, I, I know you you were coaching that night, but it was sold out against Illinois State. That's big. It does feel like the juice is back. It does feel like... If if the excitement is what it is inside of Rupp Arena right now, what does it? What will it look like? In, you know, Saturday in Gainesville, like that was one of the main talking points Cal had after the game too. That we're expecting to go down to Gainesville and it be rowdy. Like it, we this team, do, it does feel like this is going to be a big Super Bowl year where every single road test is going to be t-shirt night. It's going to be whatever, and and you know. It had, it's been a minute since we've had that because, you know, I, I remember coming on this show and saying, like, I just don't see a lot of teams scared of this Kentucky program at this point. Like, they, they, it just didn't have that juice of when they come in, when we host them, we don't need T-shirt night. We, we would rather host T-shirt night for Tennessee. We'd rather host it for Auburn or what, you know the teams that are actually competitive in the SEC, there was just that, that lull there for a minute where, I, I don't know, the, the juice just wasn't there that I felt against Illinois State. And, you know, we saw the environment, Yum Center against Louisville. Like, it, it does feel like there's something different uh, about this team and the excitement around it. And I think it's going to set up for some pretty darn awesome uh, road environments and we'll see how that how that goes and if you're going to be a part of those road environments or even just are looking to uh, buy tickets at Rupp Arena because those are going to be hard to come by this season 
You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets. Now is not the time for guesswork. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee, GameTime does all of the hard work for you. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts, it is the place to find last-minute seats, find exclusive flash deals, and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more with zone deals. You pick this section and Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the Game Time guarantee means that you will always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference, Sean. I know you have used uh, Game Time, and I know that you know several people that have used Game Time. Just how much do you love our friends at Game Time? No, oh, I love Game Time, and it's it's the place to to get your tickets, whether it's ahead of time or last minute. And as Jack said, Rupp Arena was sold out for Illinois State. So you, if you plan, and there's a lot of Kentucky fans, Jack, that they when they see Kentucky at South Carolina or they see Kentucky on the road at Florida, there's fans that live all over this country that that's the one game that they go to a year. So, and I know there's listeners in these states that the Kentucky's going to be traveling to. So if you're, if you're planning on going to the game, game time is the place to, to get your tickets for sure. Well, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code KSR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account, redeem code KSR for $20 off download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And while we are uh, knocking some of these out, Happy to continue talking about our friends at FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, and there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. This app is so easy to use, and there are many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more so visit fanduel.com slash pilgrim and make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the nfl 21 and older and present in kentucky first online real money wager only five dollar pregame money money line wager required ten dollar first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets which expire seven days after receipt restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER Sean, what do you need to see in Gainesville to continue this uh, excitement? What what would Kentucky going down to Gainesville uh, and, and accomplishing accomplish for you? It's going to be tough because it's that. So they, they played at Louisville in a true road environment, Jack, but it wasn't really a road environment. I mean, there there was so much blue in there, and there will be blue in Gainesville. You and I have been there together and covered that game. We, we know what it looks like. There'll be plenty of Kentucky fans there, but it will be the first time that there's a student section there alongside the floor to give Kentucky some adversity. I want to see how they handle that and who handles it best. That's what I'm looking for in a first true road game. You don't win NCAA tournament games on the road, but you build NCAA tournament winners by going through the experience of the road. That's the road to get where Kentucky wants to go. It puts you in environments where there's adversity and you face it. Kentucky's going to face some in this game. Which freshmen step up when the lights are the brightest? Like this, this is when it gets real for Kentucky. It's two games a week from here on out. 
it's game plan, then moving on to the next game plan. There's no seven days in between games. So I'm looking for consistency, and I'm looking to see who shines and, and, and shows up when the lights are the brightest because in league play, everyone's coming for you. There, it's T-shirt night, as John Calipari likes to say it. It's been sold out for a couple of weeks now or a few days here with, ahead of time. So we know Gainesville is going to be rocking because Florida is trying to get a good win for its program as well. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm very excited to see them just sustain this. Keep, keep this momentum moving forward. Don't try to fix what's not broken. Like, the, this is working. Just, you know, treat Florida no different than you treated Illinois State. Go in there with the same mindset. I, I love the quote from Adu Thiero before the game started. Somebody asked if this, this was a trap game. Uh, Illinois State, and he said that that's not even in our vo- vocabulary. We that's not something that we are worried about. We're more focused on ourselves than we are any opponent. Illinois State, anybody, and that is how this team wins a national championship. Like that, that mindset of we are our, you know, if if we come together and play the way that we are supposed to and execute the way that the game plan dictates. We can beat every single team, not just beat them, but beat them by 15-20. Like, that's what this team is built to do. That's what the sample size has proven. That's what they have done up to this point. Now it's about doing it against, you know, legitimate competition. I love their um, I, I love their energy and response going into that North Carolina game. I love the way they enter that Kansas game. They, they, they went in with the, same, with the right mindset. I want to see them do that same exact thing down in Gainesville. And throughout the rest of, of the SEC slate, because uh, that is how this team wins yet another regular uh, SEC regular season championship. That's how they win, uh, you know, make a run in the SEC tournament, which we haven't seen in a minute. You know, one one SEC tournament win in yeah. four years or whatever it's been since 2019. Um, so that that's how, like like you said, that we you start building for a run in March right now. That that is yeah. what the start of SEC play looks like. So. Uh, just keep that same m- momentum and mentality and approach this game no different than you did against Illinois State in the same way you did against uh, North Carolina the week before. That That's what is the re- winning recipe for this team. Don't worry about who the opponent is. Worry about yourself. And, and as we enter league play here, we start to kind of key in and focus on some other teams in the league, Jack. Is there, are there, is there anything that stands out to you that you're looking at here? I, I've got one. There, there's one team that I'm watching here, and it's Ole Miss. Because they're, they're 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 undefeated. Hooping. They play Bryant today to wrap up the the non conference schedule. Undefeated, they have put themselves in a position with their non conference schedule to be an NCAA tournament team because they went undefeated in it. Like they've only got one quad one win that was on the road at Central Florida, but they've got wins against Memphis. They they've got some games that are that are right there that are good wins. But when it taught when I'm I'm talking about it because they're they're undefeated. It's a team that comes to Rupp Arena later in the season, but they've also got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine quad one opportunities in league play, and they're undefeated in non conference play. That's a team that has put itself in position to make the NCAA tournament and make this league even deeper. So that's one they play Tennessee in their first league game the same day Kentucky plays Florida. That's a massive statement for Ole Miss to, to go in. You know they're going to try to get that that win and really – I mean, they're in the top 25 in the latest AP poll. Like, that's a team that's that's had to do a lot to get there, but they still have to prove themselves when they get in the league, and I think you're going to, you're going to see a team that's going to try to do that early. So I, that's, that's a team I'm watching. 
I, if I if there was one to pick for me, I think it'd be Mississippi State because they have, I think, not drowned without Tolu Smith. I think that was one that yeah. when he went down earlier in the year and uh, there were a lot of teams that just expected them to drown without him. And, you know, they're 10-2 and two entering conference play and their resume is actually pretty darn solid and they're 33 right now in the net. So that is one that once he gets going and – starts building some momentum and turns into the all SEC caliber talent that he is, just what is their upside? What what do they look like and what can they be down the road? I think that's going to be a really interesting, you know, tough out in the SEC tournament, I think, especially. And, and you know, I think that they could be, you know, a, a legitimate NCAA tournament team. I, I think they're firmly in in the conversation right now, but I, I think that they're, they have a tough identity. They're, they're going to be one of those tough outs, both obviously in the conference, but uh, they they might surprise some people in the NCAA tournament as well. And and we're going to find out pretty quickly about them too because their first four league games are at South Carolina, host Tennessee, host Alabama, at Kentucky. Cool boy. So you find out about your team. So I don't, I don't know if a team has a so – actually, let's go a little bit deeper here. So their first non-league games, eight of them are quad one games. Eight of their first non-league games are quad one opportunities. Now, Mississippi State does have a quad four loss to Southern, but we talk about Kentucky's quad three loss. But when you have a quad four loss and you play eight quad one games in your first non-league games, you have a chance to kind of cancel that out. So that that is probably that's probably the more intriguing team. So we went with the two Mississippi schools. Yeah. And they're, they are intriguing. But yours, honestly, I'm probably a little bit more intrigued by it just because of what their schedule is to begin. You're going to know by the end of January whether or not Mississippi State's a player in the NCAA tournament or not with all those quad one games. Another I'm keeping an eye on is oh, Alabama's resume is just baffling to me. How in the hell are they five in the net, jumped to five in the net at eight and five, 0 oh, and five in quad one games, like their resume is non-existent right now. Anybody with a pulse they've played, they've lost to. Like their only wins are against Moorhead State, Indiana State, South Alabama, Mercer, Oregon is the only you know quad two, okay win they've gotten. That was a ninety nine ninety one freaking barn burner, and then Arkansas State, Eastern Kentucky, and and Liberty. Like what? What about their resume indicates that that's even remotely a top five team in the net? So I, I, I'm keeping an eye on them as well to see if they are the fraud they appear to be this earlier in, this early in the season. Yeah, I I am too. And Mississippi State is one of those teams that they play early. That's their first quad one game in the league, and. It's it's fun to to look inside resumes too, and you know obviously I've, this is my time of year. This is my time to shine when we're talking quad ones and, and resumes and stuff because I have all this stuff pulled up, and we're we're probably going to start putting some graphics together on the show to kind of talking about resumes and stuff. But when you look at you know at, at what Alabama's doing, I, I've watched them a few times, and I've I've been sitting there thinking, you know, okay, this is tough, and then the game just flips on them, like Arizona. I fell asleep. And it was second half, and they went up. They were like up six or seven, and then I wake up and they lost by thirteen. And I was like, "How?" Like I've watched this happen to them multiple times, though, where they're in situations and it looks like that they're going to get a big win, and then they don't get it. So obviously, the way that they can shoot the ball and the way that they can score the ball at times and stuff—that's that's a team that you don't take lightly, because if they get hot on you, you're in trouble. But 
I need to see a little more from them. I need to see that they can actually beat good teams, and they're going to get opportunities in the league. But it's fun to look inside here and, and look at these resumes and look at these schedules. No one's is the same when it comes to quad one opportunities. It all depends on what your split is. Who are you playing home and away? It's like I just mentioned that uh, Mississippi State has eight of nine to start league play quad one games. I think they've got maybe 12 quad one games total in the league where Kentucky's got eight. And one of them, like, it just all depends on where you're going. Kentucky going to Arkansas this year is not a quad one game. That doesn't happen often. Usually that's a quad one. So I don't know. Like, it's Kentucky only has five. Hold on. Hold on. There's one. I was trying to say something. I think it's five, five games in league play that are outside of quad one or quad two. Kentucky's going to be playing a lot of good basketball teams, is what I'm trying to tell you. Like the NCAA tournament's made up of teams that are in those numbers. So a lot of tough teams, a lot of tough games, a lot of fun games coming up. All right, let's get out of here with the elephant in the room. I get the seven foot th- two elephant in the room. <laughs> this graphic just cracks me up. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, Daniel. I wasn't what, expecting what, that, Daniel. <laughs> what a character. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I was on here yet when you showed that one earlier. <laughs> anyway Daniel's time to shine <laughs> <laughs> so Big Z uh, went home for the holidays um, we knew this we talked about this John Calipari said that this was something that they talked about behind the scenes um, did not come home for the Illinois State game as we thought and expected turnaround made no sense to come home you know dr- fly 15 hours over back home and then Four days later, fly right back after the holidays. It just didn't make any sense, especially to come home for Illinois State. Uh, UK puts out a follow-up release that says um, he will be home here at some point this this week. Do you buy it, Sean? What what are what are your big Z vibes right now? Besides where where's where's Waldo with the, the eyes? The eyes are what's cracking me up the most. There's just like a hair cockeyed and just makes him makes him look ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, I can't hold on. I can't even look at him. <laughs> I can't even. It's right above you too. So like every time I try to look at you to talk, there you are. Um, I miss seeing him on the bench when I watched yeah. the game the other night. Like that was probably my my biggest thing is I, I missed his energy and I missed uh, like that's a guy that's had fun since he's been here too. So uh, not seeing him over there was was weird. Um, I don't know. Like like you said, it didn't make sense to to come all the way across the country after four days from, I mean, it, it about killed me driving to Idaho a few years ago. So, and that was, <laughs> so like, that's, just, that's another story within himself. Uh, shout out Terry Brown. If you ever listened to this episode, my guy across the country with me. Uh, that's, that's for, for the, for the people that have been following for years, you know, that story. So I, I couldn't imagine flying all the way across the country, getting there with family, spending time and then, soon as you get there halfway through it, you're like, crap, I got to leave now. So like, it, it didn't make sense. So missing that one, I'm not worried about, but when do you think he's back? I, I don't know if he will. I, okay. I just, and, and I, I have heard, I, and we've talked about this on the, the, the message board and, you know, even on this show, um, I heard very randomly before the North Carolina game that 
Z will Z's gonna go home for the holidays and never come back. And that was something that like when I heard it at first, because that was right in the heat of him being a, a the ultimate cheerleader on the bench and being nothing but a supportive teammate. And that was when he had started getting out on the floor and doing some things and warm ups and going through all that stuff. So it, it, I was like, huh, that's kind of odd. And then, then we didn't hear anything from the NCAA. Then the clock just kind of kept ticking and ticking and ticking. And then the holidays came and then the actual rumors and reports started coming out. And I was like, Ooh, there might be some legs to this. And so I, that, it's hard for that to get out of my head because that's what I, I mean, that it was brought to my attention before the North Carolina game. He's going to go home for the holidays, quote unquote, and he's just not going to come back. Like they're going to mutually decide at the end of the, at, at the end of the day. And after the fact that, um, if the NCAA is going to continue to sit on its hands and be the meaningless wasteland that it is consistently, um, and not make a decision on him uh, in an efficient manner, then it's best for both parties to, for, you know, on Kentucky side, we got a national championship to win. We got to focus on this team and the group that we have right now. We can't be submitting paperwork back and forth and dealing with conversations with the NCAA constantly. I mean, we're halfway through the season. Christmas is over. Like, move on. Make, make a decision. New Year is is here. I mean, literally tomorrow, New, New Year's is going to be here. So, I think there's this mindset internally that we got business to take care of with our team. And then it's not fair for Z either. Like Z is sitting there and yes, he's being a cheerleader, but he did not come over to Kentucky to be a cheerleader. He could do that anywhere. He came over here to prove himself on college basketball's biggest stage and prove that he can be an NBA talent. And he has not been able to prove that quite yet. So I understand Cal's frustration. I understand Z's frustration and I think that's where this needs to go if the NCAA is going to continue to sit on its ass and not make a decision. I'm hoping that they make a very quick turner, you know, Tuesday the, the, when the stupid offices open back up. I, I would love to be able to hear something quick from the NCAA. He gets cleared and then then it turns into a follow-up conversation of, hey, I know we had initially talked about you not coming back, but hey, you're now cleared. If this is what you want, let's do this. This is you came here the first time around. Why not? You know why? Why not give him a real shot to prove it, what, why he did this in the first place? So um, that's where I think this is trending. I'm hoping that I'm wrong, and I'm hoping that the NCAA makes a decision sooner rather than later. But um, we'll see. I just I just don't don't know if we're going to get to that point. So it, it's unfortunate. It's sad. I wish that we had some type of clarity and we didn't have to deal with nonsense. Uh, I think PR answers and, you know, tweets of, uh, he's not back yet, but he's going to be back next week. Like, I don't think that's fair for anybody because I just don't think that's very genuine. Um, I, I think this has been the plan for a while now, barring a change of heart from the NCAA, or I guess any type of decision from the, from the NCAA at all. So we'll see what happens. Um, it did not shock me at all that he didn't make the trip back for Illinois State. I, you know, there's still some time before the Florida game. If there's a positive to that, there's an eight game, an eight day stretch until the next game, and then from there, it's you know full 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 steam ahead. So I know it's a long drawn out answer to what you were what you asked, Sean, but 
overall, I don't know. I don't think it's like a lost cause completely quite yet because the NCAA could throw in a Hail Mary and clear him. But it, assuming we don't get a, a, a quick answer from the NCAA, I do not think he's coming back. I don't, I don't think he will come back before we get an answer from the NCAA, if that makes sense. I had to catch my breath because I had to run out and get my MacBook charger. So I just ran as fast as I could. That's why Jack went full screen there for a moment. So I was, if it sounds like Stop I'm breathing telling heavily, our secrets, Sean, if it sounds like I'm breathing heavily, that's why. Cause I just had to run all the way outside my house to go get my, just the, the, the topic car. was just getting you all hot, hot and bothered. You, you just, no, were, I, I heard just, everything because uh, I had you in uh, my ear. So I could hear you talking. I was like, oh, I've still got a few seconds to get back in there. Uh, no, it's, it's an unfortunate situation that it's taken this long to get to this point. Like the new year is here and we still have no idea what his future holds. That's tough. That's tough on him. That's tough on Cal. That's, I mean, it's especially tough on Z because Jack, like, like you said, if he comes back and then he's not eligible, like it's, it's not just going to get better next year. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, this is the kid that's also working on a timeline of his future. Mm-hmm. And what's best for him. And I get it. Like going up against these guys is definitely the competition and stuff to prepare him for what he's going to face in the league and some of those processes that he'll go through to, to get drafted and put himself in the draft. But it's just not fair to leave him in a situation where he's kind of just in limbo. Like just, it's just not fair. The next draft cycle starts in four months. Like yeah. next April is when t- players start making their their decisions like crap or get off the pot. Like we, we, the, the, the weight up to this point just makes no sense. So, um, yeah, I'm, it is what it is. I am just not ready to, you know, uh, change my stance on this until the NCAA makes the decision one way or the other. Like I'm, I, until they do, I'm going to just assume that we're not going to ever see Z on the floor for Kentucky. It just, it's unfortunate. And, and I hope I'm wrong. Um, well, it's been fun this morning, Sean. I, I appreciate you coming on and, and venting a little bit, getting excited with me a little bit because there's a lot to be excited about. It was a fun win. Uh, SEC, SEC season is here. It's, 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 our favorite time of the year because you know it's kind of put up or shut up time for uh, this group. No more poop state games. We it's from from here on out. It is nothing but name brand opponents, and uh, that that's always a fun time of year, Sean. So I'm excited for it. It begins next Saturday uh, against Florida down in Gainesville. It's going to be a blast, Sean. I know you are very much looking forward to that one. I absolutely am looking forward to that one. Looking forward to league play and getting with some of these teams that you have some familiarity with and you play multiple times. That's the tough part about this is you get these teams know you better than anyone knows you. And that's where there's new challenges presented. And uh, when league play starts, you're just getting closer and closer to when the real stuff starts. And we're going to start finding out where Kentucky stacks up when it comes to seating and, and some things like that. Be ready for ESPN bracketology and everybody's bracketology updates and, Kentucky does have its highest net ranking at 22. So trending in the right direction right now. Sure are. Let's go on and get out of here, Sean. Where can fans find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. 
Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Go subscribe to KSR Plus. Go join the conversation over at KS Board. We have a blast over there. You do not want to miss uh, all of it. Uh, the the intel and scoop that you hear here always comes first uh, on KS Board. So make sure you go and do that. We'll be back next time for the Jam Pack Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.